Welcome to Offstage with Britta Pollen. I'm your host, Britta Pollen, certified personal trainer, strength, flexibility, and mobility coach with a lifetime of experience in the movement arts industry. If you are a performing artist who has yet to find an answer for creating meaningful, lasting strength and flexibility results that you can actually see and feel on stage, this is the podcast for you. I'm here to share with you all of my cross-training concepts, tips, and techniques for you to move in the way that feels true to your artistry. Let's get into it. Hey y'all, and welcome back to the podcast, and Happy New Year if you celebrate such things on a traditional linear timeline. I am super excited to go over these little knowledge nuggets in this episode today because this year I have taken many more courses than I pretty much ever do and it's felt really supportive for me. I'm always a big proponent that when you have a lot of life changes going on, that's a time where it's important to lean into being coached, being supportive, taking courses, that kind of thing. Because I think a lot of times folks look at these courses or coaching programs, or I've even had people ask this regarding my intensive, and they think of it as another thing to do. And we oftentimes have this idea that our mind has to be totally clear and our schedule has to be optimal to do such things so that we can get the most out of it. And obviously, you don't want to nix that idea too much and do things where you literally have no time, but very rarely do we actually have no time. So I had a lot of changes this year. I got married last November, actually, but just the come down from the wedding planning and then all of the travel to follow that event kind of had me all over the place. And we moved from Southern California to Washington State in April. So I've had kind of a lot going on as well as a few just like business structural changes that like I've started offering different types of ways to train with me and things like that. So there's been a lot going on. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice to just know that I have a supportive community and that I have my continuing education on lock and I have people to bounce ideas off of so that I can continue to be a good coach and become a better coach and all of that, even though all this stuff in my external world is feeling very unstable. I chose to take more certifications and expose myself to more mentorship this year than I usually do. I don't think you need to be doing all that kind of stuff all the time, but this particular year I was in one course or another for I think 10 out of the 12 months of the last year. So I'm going to chop up some of this stuff for y'all and put it on a little digestible platter so you can put the stuff in your pocket if you need it. We're going to talk a little bit of weightlifting, a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of mobility, a little bit of biomechanics. Let's get into it. So I took the Prescript Level 1 course and the Prescript Skill Acquisition course, both of which I highly, highly recommend, especially the Skill Acquisition course if you are somebody who teaches 
skills. Like if you're an instructor of any type or you're interested in cross training, want to learn a little bit more about what it looks like to cross train, what it looks like to acquire skill and how those two approaches are different. I have always thought a lot of the stuff that Killian, Killian Hamilton is the creator and host of that course and he did such a he did such a great job of putting it all in a really concise and digestible manner so that I could better communicate this stuff to my clients and this actually isn't one of the things I was going to go over but I just wanted to shout that course out really quick because I loved it a lot and I love picking apart language in our industry because I think it's really important and I think that language can get really blurry in terms of putting specific ways of training in different buckets and all of that and you don't necessarily need to subscribe in a really strict fashion to putting things in these categories and all that. It's just different ways that can help us better communicate with each other and talk about our training in a more concise and clear way. So that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about that course. But the Prescript Level 1 course is a biomechanics course, and I really enjoyed that as well because it aligned with the types of techniques that I use with clients, but just expanded on the more nitty-gritty details of the biomechanics that were going on and implementing these concepts in actual people and not just thinking about them as concepts on their own, you know? Human part of human performance is important, not just thinking about concepts as these things that look really exciting and nice and smart when they're written out on paper. So I love that course as well. And something that really stuck out to me in that course that I had never thought about before had to do with our scaps and breathing. And I do talk a little bit about breathing with my clients and in uh, some of my workshops and courses and things like that, but I talk about it more as a nervous system regulation tool and as a stretching tool, as a way to expand through pelvic floor, as a way to expand through uh, shoulder stretches and things like that. But this course illuminated something regarding breathing through the back body that was a new idea to me, which was very interesting because I always think about this idea of breathing and expanding 360 degrees like a balloon and stretching in that way, but I had never considered breathing through the back body between our scaps to improve the way that our scap moves on our back body because I've been exposed to a lot of information about winged scapula and training the tissues around the scaps to improve strength and how many options we have for how the scapula moves and sits on our body and all of that kind of stuff. But it had never occurred to me that, hey, what is the scapula actually sitting on? It's sitting on ribs, which absolutely have tissues connected to them and absolutely are movable and stretchable and breathable. So the idea of breathing more into the back body is something that I've been focusing on, not in really any type of 
formal way, but when I'm sitting in my chair here or just like stretching, laying around on the floor, I'll hit a quick child's pose or like, you know, that bent leg position where you're sitting on your heels uh, so that my front body is blocked off and I can breathe into the back body. And I'd been breathing into the back body in terms of like back belly breathing, but locking off through the front body and focusing on sending expansion between the shoulder blades has been really different for me and it feels so good. I can tell that I really needed it because I've got some winged AF scaps, which don't necessarily affect me, the actual position of the scaps. And I've done all sorts of freaking stuff to strengthen the tissues around them. Like I was talking about in all of the rows and all of the block squeezes and all of that type of stuff. And it's not that that has not been helpful, but something that's been important for me is to accept that this is just the way that my scaps sit on my body. And it actually doesn't really affect how I move and train and breathe and all of that kind of, and all of that kind of stuff. So I haven't been super worried about it, but when I learned about this breathing technique and breathing into the back body, I thought, huh, maybe this wing scapula symptom isn't necessarily an indication that there's anything biomechanically wrong or dysfunctional with, which I hate that word, but it's not necessarily an indication that I can't use my scaps in a way that's helpful to me. But maybe it's more of an indication of I have been clutching or not breathing through my full capacity of my rib cage. And it's been very interesting to explore. And again, I haven't been doing it in any sort of formal way, just kind of the sitting and breathing in that way and exploring. And then also at the end of my or at the beginning of my row sets, I've also been just kind of letting my arms hang and let the weights protract my scaps, so spread my scaps, and then I'll breathe in between my scaps and try, to, and try and expand that way, which is really easy to do with a chest-supported row because your chest is blocked off and the weights are pulling your body into the pad or the bench. So that's been really interesting to play with, and I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily feel any changes in terms of how my scaps are sitting, because like I said... That's just kind of how they are and it doesn't affect how I move. And I don't see any big changes in my mobility, but I do see changes in how I feel and where I'm able to proprioceptive and control in terms of that whole region of my back. So that's been very interesting. And once you think about it, it's very obvious that we do all this work to improve how our scaps move, but we don't think about the tissues that it's actually sitting on and the surface that the scaps are actually sitting on and how we can improve that in order to improve how our scaps sit on our back and what we're able to control and what we feel in the back body. So that's been very interesting to me. So something else that I learned in the prescript course, um, this is a very obvious way of using an exercise that I previously disliked or kind of written off because I do so much benching and things of that nature. And I get a lot of input into my front delts. So I hadn't really been doing any front raises or I hadn't been doing any front raises, but Jordan Shallow started talking about the front raises as 
a rotator cuff exercise and a good way to target the tissues that stabilize the humerus when we bring our arm into shoulder flexion. So when we're bringing our arm up and overhead, we need those rotator cuff tissues to stabilize how our arm bone moves in the socket. And I do a lot of shoulder flexion exercises when I'm training contortion or mobility and stuff like that. So I do get input to those tissues. But one of my core beliefs in training is that you should be loading the mid-range of pretty much any movement. Don't need to be loading every mid-range of every movement all the time, but over time you should gradually start exposing every biomechanical movement and every group of tissues to some sort of mid-range loading. And this is such a great way to do that. Grab some dumbbells and just bring your arm into flexion. Don't need to overcomplicate it. And I do do loaded exercises like this when I do my shoulder flexion liftoffs. So like I'm laying face down on the floor, ankle weight on my wrist, and then lifting my arm up into my passive range with the ankle weight on, which I always say that strength and mobility and flexibility and all of that, the lines get so blurry once you start introducing loaded mobility. And this is definitely one of those cases because I was already doing that. And then I was like, wait, why am I writing off the front raises? That doesn't make any sense. Like if I wanted to go heavier, I would decrease the range so that I can train in the mid range and start to train those tissues to handle more load and shoulder flexion. And lo and behold, what is that? A front raise. So never write off any exercise. I usually... I'm pretty good about staying open-minded to different exercises and what people could be getting out of them or why somebody might be programming. I'm usually not super judgy in that way, but I have previously not been implementing a lot of front raises just because I had a previous existing belief that I was just getting enough input to my front delts from all of the other stuff I was doing, which isn't necessarily untrue, but I wasn't loading the mid-range in a really specific way because I do do a lot of other types of movement besides lifting, obviously, uh, and a lot of bending and contortion. So I am taking my shoulders into shoulder flexion quite often, and I've kind of only been strengthening at the end range for a very long time. It feels really good to be getting that control input, which what I mean by that is when we're strengthening in the mid-range, it often has to do with how much load we're able to handle in the mid-range and how much control we have over our movements there. Because when we're loading things, we're getting a little bit more proprioceptive input, we're loading these tissues, we're getting in better touch with them so that when they're unloaded, we can feel a little bit more control. So that's definitely been helping with that. Unlike the uh, breathing technique for the scapular winging. This is something that I'm noticing the benefits of right away. And I'm not saying like everybody needs to be doing front raises. You know, I don't vibe like that. Uh, there's no exercise that everybody needs to be doing or shouldn't be doing, but this is a good way that if you want to strengthen your mid range of your shoulder flexion, this could be a good in for you. So another thing, just going to totally switch gears into stretching mode. So 
Moderating intensity is something that I have often talked with my clients about in terms of undulating their intensity in their lifts. Like you don't need to be taking every set to failure. You don't need to be taking every exercise to failure. And we want to be really intentional with which sets and which exercises we choose to go full intensity with because you just don't need to be training that hard all the time. There's going to be more benefits to your recoverability with the undulating intensities than there is to you going to failure with every set for every exercise. So why wouldn't that be the same for the stretches? I ran this problem past my mentor, Jen Hostler, uh, which I will also link her in the show notes so you can check her out. And I was asking about recoverability from stretching because myself and a couple of clients were asking, why am I so sore after stretching? And I often post about how your stretches need to have some form of load. And it is a little bit more than you think. And most people's default is to just stay below that intensity and do more like gentle passive stretching. So I do usually guide people to make that change first. However, just like any type of exercise, we do want to be undulating the intensities. And some people are more sensitive to going more intense with this than others. It just depends on how how your nervous system adapts to stretching at that intensity and how your tissues, how much load your tissues are being exposed to from the other stuff that you're doing. And it is possible to go too intense with that for too long, which eventually can result in that like post-stretch soreness or just not feeling very good in the stretch in general if we're going too intense for too much of an extended period of time. So undulating how much of our body weight we are, and by undulating, I mean choosing specific time periods to go harder with and choosing specific time periods to back off on this with. And we want to be undulating how much of our body weight we're asking our stretches to handle. And this, again, sometimes, or a lot of the time, people's default is to stretch at an intensity that is just below what can actually make changes. But sometimes human nature is maliciously compliant. And I'll talk about this with folks. And then they will stretch really freaking intensely. And the recoverability will be super low or the stretches will start to feel really scary to their nervous system. And so you don't need to be stretching at high intensity all the time. If you've been stretching at a low or moderate intensity for an extended period of time and you've plateaued, not seeing changes in the tissues anymore, might be a good idea to start thinking about asking your body to handle more load for longer periods of time so that you can force some changes in those tissues. But again, just like anything, it's important to back off on some of that sometimes. And you'll know if your nervous system or your body is not responding well to these intense stretches. And you can always work intuitively with that if you don't want to have a full-on plan of like, okay, I'm going to go more intense with this these weeks and then back off on it for these weeks. You can personalize it to how you're feeling. Or if you don't do well making decisions based on emotions like that, you can write it out and make a plan. So notice your reaction to your stretches. If you're overshooting the mark, you can always back off for a little bit. You'll still be getting input to the tissues, especially if you've been going intense before 
you make these changes. So, all right, that is it for this little knowledge nugget episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know which things you resonate with or what was new to you or what felt helpful to you. I would love to know. And maybe we can expand on some concepts like that in some future episodes, or just let me know what episodes you would like to see in the new year. Not a whole lot coming up in terms of what I have available throughout January and February, but I do have a really exciting newsletter going out this weekend. So if you're not, if you're not subscribed to my newsletter, drop your email on the list, which I'll link in the show notes. I have some mini challenges coming up for you for a little New Year's fun. We did a mini challenge last month with the newsletter subscribers and people seem to really like it. So I'm going to do it again and make it kind of a monthly thing. So drop your email on there if you want in on the mini challenges. Nothing else coming up besides the intensive in March, but until then you can hit me up for consults, subscribe to the newsletter, or download any of the self-based programs on my website, which I will link all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll see you next time off stage.